Has there ever been a story or a person in your life or business that just completely changed the trajectory of your organization? Or maybe they really influenced the heart and soul of your business and you just didn't see it coming. Often there's a specific external catalyst that really can change or alter the course of your organization. And sometimes that direction it just comes out of left field and you, you weren't expecting it. My conversation with JDU today is about how external stories have really changed his life and business and how he's then using those stories to change a lot of other people's as well. Stay tuned. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Grow With Tim podcast. I'm Tim Joyner, and this is... Jay Do. Jeremiah, it's February, and mm-hmm. you are really, really busy. I am. Why is that? Everyone's busy all the time, but it's an extra special month for me because uh, many people celebrate culturally Black History Month. Some form of that, or at least we know that it's Black History Month. And I have a one-man show, a theatrical-type performance that I do for a lot of schools and churches and civic groups and things like that. So, yeah, we're sneaking in a conversation here in between performances. So some people think Black History, and I think this has certainly been my situation. It's not that I'm opposed to learning about Black History, but it just doesn't necessarily connect. It doesn't seem especially relevant. But, you know, I've heard a lot of people who have been to your show mm-hmm. that are really deeply moved. Mm. They, they say things like, wow, that was, that was incredible. Everybody needs to see this show. They talk about how it moved them personally, how it moved their students or their employees. They say, this is exactly what we needed to hear. So tell us about this show. Like, what, what is it, first of right, all? And right. then I'm going to ask you why it's important. <laughs> Very good. Well, my show is basically then till now, Black American history through several different character voices. Okay, I call them voices, and they're basically the icons that we all would recognize. Martin Luther King. Frederick Douglass, Barack Obama, and some of uh, some other characters that kind of shape the course and the conversation in America for the last one, two, three hundred years. See, we all know those names. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a guy who did some important things back in the day. My show basically goes from then till now and lets them tell their own stories. So when I'm on stage being a performer in my show, one-man show, there's nobody else to blame it on, I'm up <laughs> on stage as Martin Luther King actually doing his words. So it's not so commentary. this is not a speech or a lecture about Correct. them. Yes. This is you being them. Right, me being Letting them. Letting them speak so, in their own words. Yeah, so uh, we all know the dream speech, right? So we know of the dream speech. Maybe we've heard it, maybe we haven't, but we know it in tweetable contexts, one line at a time. And I'm going to be up there. I'm going to give the whole thing. So Frederick Douglass wrote lots of work. He has three autobiographies. And I come on stage dressed as him. We get introduced to him through video and sound. And then we hear and see his first chapter of his first autobiography. So I become these characters. And it helps us get so much more context around the cultural conversation and the impact, of course, that these men made and uh, throughout our life today. Like, why are they important? So help me put this in a box. Is this entertainment? Mm. Is this education? Is this history? Is it, what, what, what is this show? I hope so. Yes. Yeah, all of the above. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, first off, uh, it's a theatrical show that uh, originally was meant to be seen only in person and we're in the room together. So if I'm in a theater or in your lecture hall at your school or in that corporate boardroom or kind of corporate um, gathering place, yes, entertainment right so it might be an hour show 30 minutes 90 minutes something like that but we are obviously diving into history and you're going to hear 
who and why and where these people came from. So there's going to be education there as well. But I think really what One Voice does at the end is it helps people ask questions of themselves. How am I contributing or am I involved in the conversation around beauty, love, and justice? Because that's really what you're going to be able to see, hear, and feel in the black American story. Obviously, we're going from very, very bad dark times. A lot of us are a little confused about those times, what actually happened, what didn't happen. And, of course, they're distant from us now. And does that have any impact on us today? So beauty, love, and justice is going to be a part of that story. And at the same time, we're going to start to realize there might be something I should do with my one voice today and tomorrow Mm. to make sure that our conversations are healthy moving forward. They're inclusive of our culture or environment here at my house, here at our school, or here in my business. So I'm not a particularly good student of history. I've never been strong on history. But one of the things that kind of scares me is, you know, if we don't learn from history, we're destined to repeat those mistakes, right? Right, of course. And so I think this is, for me at least, a big hole. Like, I just Mm. don't, I don't really know a lot about black history and I don't think I, I don't even know what I don't know. Sure. But one thing I do know is that people that watch your show often, I think, come away surprised. Like they showed up because they wanted to be entertained or because they were, it was a required meeting or for whatever reason, right? They're there and they come away really surprised. So talk us through that transformation. Like how do people come in expecting one thing and suddenly they found, wow, this was really this was really important. I'm really glad I was here today. Well, the reason we all know those names that I mentioned, for instance, is because we learned about them in some sort of chapter or session in school. And school is important, but it's not going to give us the context and the live performance environment. So when I stand up on stage and hopefully do my best to become those characters and their cadence and timbre and what they were wearing, it takes us to a different place. It's not a lecture. It's not a history lesson. We're hearing from them. And, of course, many of the people that I might portray, because there, there are others, they did give these lectures. They said these things in front of groups of people to help try to right some wrong normally in their community at the time. So what happens to people is they start to really unravel and like, man, this this guy was really saying important things. I didn't realize how much imagery or how well this was written or I don't think I thought I, I thought that he was ancient history. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I thought that this guy wouldn't be relevant to today. And I think if you look at something that is so iconic as the dream speech, right? It's actually just called Remarks when it was actually originally given. But we call it the dream speech um, from 1963. As you realize, this is more relevant than ever. It, it, this is a timeless thing that is very important to our day today. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, Why is this, first of all, this show so important? But why is it so important that, that everybody guys that look like you and guys that look like me, why is it important for us to hear MLK's words anew and afresh and Malcolm X and all these other people that are in your show? Well, I think one of the reasons that it's so timeless and so important is because our founding fathers got themselves into a pickle when they created our documents. Our documents, Constitution and Declaration of Independence, said things about God's moral and natural laws. That's how MLK would have phrased it. And it said certain things in there that everyone is endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that we're all created equal. Those types of documents and those types of words used in our language is obviously obviously not how our country was 
uh, allowing their citizens to be a part of. Hey, well, citizen means only a certain group of people. And then citizen means everybody, but hey, there's tiered citizenship. You know, they're separate but equal, right? And uh, there are many people, starting with Frederick Douglass, who was very prolific in his writing and speaking, as a black man in the late 1800s, says, I mean, this isn't Christian. This isn't God is mentioned in these documents. This isn't fair. This isn't okay. The documents don't say these things. And MLK continued that story um, in the uh, 20th century. So it's very important for us to remember is that America is a project and an experiment about liberty. Right. That's what these Englishmen and Dutchmen and all these folks who came over and they put it down and codified it into law that we still use today. And it said this is an experiment in liberty and quality, beauty, love and justice. That's what we want here. And then they went about their own ways trying to figure this out for the betterment of themselves. And so it gets us into a uh, situation. Thomas Jefferson, of course, he was very instrumental in a founding fatherhood of our country. Lots of the Declaration of Independence, put it on paper and things like that. Um, He assumed that the Constitution would be rewritten every other generation or so because maybe we didn't get it right. And, of course, because of slavery and other things, we're not actually practicing it. Yep. So he assumed it would be abolished, go away, and be restructured. So I think that... Um, other than uh, the electorate, who obviously did not, I think that, you know, his successor is Frederick Douglass and MLK say, it's time to redo this because mm. we're not getting it right. Mm. It's not what we wrote down. Yeah. So I think a lot of us would like to believe, and, and clearly we're delusional if we believe that, a lot of us would like to think that, well, Frederick Douglass did his work and MLK did his work and yeah. these people from the past have, have um, won these battles and those are yesterday's problems, and we'd like to think that we're beyond all of that. And then we read an ugly headline and maybe are reminded that we're not. So what, in practical terms, what should I or we be doing differently if, if we actually do learn from the mistakes of our past, from history? What should we be doing differently today? Well, you remember that Earl Nightingale, which I think a lot of our audience here would know about this guy and his recordings and things like that, he says success is a progressive realization of a worthy ideal. That's what America is. We're not there yet. We will never arrive. That's my opinion, fundamentally. But it's worth striving for and toward. Beauty, love, and justice are things that we can strive toward, but we'll never get it right. We'll never get it perfect. I don't believe that humans actually have the capability of being that way. So what's important to remember when it comes to the cultural context of black and white and black history in February and things like that is to realize that America has a huge historical stain that has actually influenced where we are today, right? And, and so we have, we have work to do still. We have work to do to create that ideal of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everybody. Yeah, That's not actually something that we've arrived on. There's no actual a stroke of the pen legislation in some sort of Kennesonian or Johnsonian time frame of the 50s and 60s or 70s or 80s that actually do that. We have to continually strive for those things. So in our individual lives and in our organizations that we're building, look, there are still things that we need to do. Laws don't make our lives perfect. We strive for doing the right thing, 
even if the laws aren't the way they should be. And I think that, of course, is what MLK was saying in the 50s and 60s, is a lot of man's laws in the South, especially in the United, United States, they're actually bumping up against God's laws, and they're not right. Yeah, It is not right. And when we bump heads like that, as a Baptist preacher of the 50s and 60s would say, we got to obey God's laws. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so <laughs> break that down for me. Like, I'm with you in principle, but I don't know what to do with that. You say, we've still got work to do. I agree. Laws aren't the only, we can't just wait for legislation and legislation doesn't really change people's hearts. But what does that look like? Like, what do I need to do differently tomorrow because of this conversation and because of the people in your show? Yeah, well, one of the things that I think, once again, going back, uh, that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King quoted all the time, we all know this quote, and it's in the Old Testament in the Bible, the book of Amos, is we have to listen until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness is a mighty stream. So what I think we're missing in some of those holes from time to time are we don't understand other people's perspectives. We don't know where they're coming from and why they're having such a struggle or why they think this isn't fair or okay in our communities, environments, and things like that. So if you go to a place historically like Japan or China or South Africa or England, everyone there is ethnically the same. So we have a certain set of values that we all agree to. And whatever. America is not that. America is, what is an, what is a, if, if I say, hey, what is a Japanese person, right? Japanese generally is a free country, right? Yep, Jap yep. Japan is a free country. But I say, hey, this person, Japanese, your brain thinks of a certain ethnic background. That's right. But what about American? And not so much. Not so much. I'm American. Yeah. You're American. And there is a vast difference in the way we look for all of you who are listening to us on a treadmill. <laughs> vast difference. So what that helps us but do in this country. But not just the difference in the way we look. In the, in the churches that you grew up in sure. were different than the churches that I grew up right. in. Right, right. The, the expectations that you have and what's normal to you and I are different. Um, right. And if we ignore that or assume that everybody is like us, right, everybody is like me, I think I told you before, one of the best things about college for me was my first semester in the dorms, I realized, my goodness, these people don't think like me. Like they don't value the same things. And I'd grown up in a small rural community and, and kind of was insulated and everybody was like me. And I was like, Holy cow, these people don't think. And you had a lot longer way. time to learn the people in your community, That's right? right? That's but right. You get placed into an organization, you get hired, or you're hiring people, and you're like, wow, their value system is different. Maybe we're on the same mission, right? Yep. The reason we're here is their mission, we all understand where we want to go, but our value system and our approach, way different. So I, I think what yeah. I was hearing you say before I interrupted was we got to get better at listening and being curious. And it's something we've talked about on the show before about being curious, not critical. I have a tendency, if you're into personality tests, I'm an INTJ, Myers-Briggs, and um, the J part is judging, right? I mm. tend to jump to conclusions okay. and right. make decisions. And I'm trying to learn to be curious before I'm critical. So I'm driving down the road and I see a billboard that I don't understand or I think is stupid. And my inclination is to say, that's a stupid billboard. And what I'm trying to do is to say, huh, you know, the person or the people that designed that billboard spent a lot of money on it. They're probably really creative, capable, talented people. I wonder why they did that. I wonder why they wrote that headline because that doesn't make any sense to me. And as I think about that, sometimes I realize, oh, I, 
they're actually reaching a completely different target audience than I am. That's actually brilliant, and I can learn something from it if I'm curious instead of critical. Right. Yeah. So I think that's not just a color of your skin thing. That's like a anybody thing. It pays to slow down and ask some questions yeah. before we jump to conclusions Very and assume so. that everybody's like me, right? Right, of course. Okay. Yeah, so when we think about uh, black culture, black history, and some of these terms that come up quite a bit, black voices, I think that's a term that's being used a lot more uh, these days, especially by the media. Let's listen to black voices. Let's have conversations with with uh, differing types of groups and backgrounds of people is a lot of times I think that there is a majority, we'll just call it that because it's not necessarily colored. There's a majority in our world and our country today that historically, like yourself, doesn't understand why it's important. However, somebody who comes from a culture background that I come back from and my family or the friends that I've been around or maybe grew up in a neighborhood with, we are like, we're not the same. You may think we're the same. Right, we're right. not the same. The right. stuff that my parents tell me is not the same. And because of majority culture, it's easier for me to figure out who you are and why we're different than it is for you to even yeah. know, like, why do you think different things? It's a total I don't blind know. spot. For yeah, me. like, and I'm like, no, because what we say <laughs> to each other and what I can hopefully try to tell because I watch TV or I've been to your house before or go to a school with a majority culture, uh, you guys say different things. We don't say that. So I told you in last week's show, most of my life, I thought that, um, you know, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and these kinds of initiatives were just politically correct theater. And I kind of dismissed the whole idea as something that was popular, but not necessarily valuable, right? And I've changed my tune on that uh, a lot. And the reason was that as I started to get, particularly in my business, as I started to hire people sort of accidentally, it wasn't an intentional initiative. But as I started to hire people that didn't look like me and didn't think like me and didn't come from the same background, I found that the richness of the conversations went up, the quality of the decisions went up. It was actually really valuable to have somebody who thought differently than me that would push back on me. And so I've started to experience diversity not just as a as a buzzword or mm -hmm. a political thing, but like there is real value. But if I'm not careful and I just steamroll everybody and assume everybody's like me or I don't intentionally solicit your opinion or ask you, hey, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm probably going to miss a lot of value. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that's why corporately my show has been adopted and appreciated by so many folks. Um, not just because, maybe it started because of the buzzwords or the cultural acceptance of, hey, we need to do something, but I really don't care. And I think my show has enough depth to help people get to that conclusion by the end of the hour or the hour and a half. Now, in your show, you you deal not only with famous people that we all know about, but I think you get into some, I'm going to call them real, they're real people too, but real yes. people that are a little bit more understandable, a little bit more approachable, like people that live in our community that you've talked to. So mm -hmm. tell us some of those stories. So there are voices and there are vignettes. I got to stay with the alliteration. Okay. That's, that's good for me. Um, so the vignettes are actually interviews that I've had with several people. And it started out, that was actually the genesis of my show. The genesis of my show over a uh, dozen years ago was I was voluntold to be in someone else's community project. And it was a community project that thought it would be valuable to sit down with the elderly and the aged and the um, wise black folks in our community who had been in several different areas of business and education and things like that. And they'd touch the community in different ways to tell their story so they could archive them in video. Yep. So I showed up as the cameraman. And when we sat down in the very first one that I went to visit, I was 24 at the time. It was 2008 and this man was 95. 
and he had been an educator, is really his background, and a little bit of a radio man as well, in the Greenville, South Carolina community starting in 1935. Wow. So he moved from his college in Virginia to Greenville to, I believe, be a teacher, him and his wife is, uh, together. And when he talked about one of the first civic encounters that he had, he told us a lot of great stories. But the one story, it's about six minutes now, and it's in my show, completely changed the trajectory of my life. And I hmm. now over 50,000-plus people have been able to realize and hear from someone in their community we heard about Rosa Parks, and we know what she did was brave and bold. But we don't know about Wilfred J. Walker and what he may have done right in that building that you come into now, 50, 60 years later. We don't realize he has that story when we show up at the same church as him or he shops at the same grocery store. But he lives in our town. So he told us a story about getting his driver's license changed. He walked into the highway department at the time to get his driver's license to change. And he walked in among four white men standing in the room. And what happened in the next five minutes in that room changed his life forever. It's a 95-year-old man telling us this story over the course of a sitting in his home, 95, nice man, who would ever be mean to an old person? And this man breaks down in tears telling us what happened when he was trying to get Virginia changed to South Carolina on his driver's license. Mm what these guys said and what he did and how they spoke to each other or what happened completely baffled me. And I said, that's what I didn't feel or hear when we studied it in class. Hmm. Yeah. I knew about slavery, yeah. Jim Crow, civil rights, but I didn't hear it from a guy yeah, who actually went through it. And I think that certain things in terms of the blessings of things like integration, equality, we lost hmm. as a community because that's not that man's perspective. He still deals with that. He knows who those people are and who their kids are and where they live. Mm. And that's not what I know at all. And so that became the germination of my show and all the characters and the pieces that I memorized. It was like, how do I find a vehicle to get other people to hear his story? And so I memorized all these things for hours, and hopefully I'm pretty good. Yeah. But I said, we got to listen to voices in our own town. So there are more than just Mr. Walker now. There's six different people. All of them have a South Carolina tie, but their Jim Crow or Civil Rights Movement era story is very much good for anybody. Not everybody tells a South Carolina story, but I'll give you a name of another one. There's a man who went to a segregated black-only high school when those were the days. Um, he graduated in 1955 in our community, went off to Tuskegee, right? Yeah. Booker T. Washington, who I do in a virtual show as well, but Booker T. Washington's college and uh, freshman year in chapel. There was a visiting preacher in Montgomery near the school, and he came over to preach once or twice in this chapel assembly forums, Martin Luther King. So he heard Martin Luther wow. King when he was 18 years old yep. as a freshman. Yep. And by December of his freshman year in Montgomery, where... Martin Luther King was being a pastor at the time. A lady decided not to move on the bus. Rosa Parks. Yeah. And so everyone ended up getting involved in that movement, the first successful civil rights movement 
initiative as a mass organization plot, and that was the Montgomery bus boycott. We all know what it is, but this man was there. He was involved. He heard Martin Luther King say, we need to get involved in this type of thing. This is not right. And uh, so he tells a different story. I love to preempt my uh, story that you see in my show with that one, because that's where it all came from. came from a segregated community, Greenville, South Carolina. His dad is a Baptist minister. They were not involved. They told the kids, do not get involved in this stuff. And he goes and gets hyped up in college, right? That's what we still are dealing with, right? He gets hyped up in college. We need to be involved in this because it's right. Number two, you don't have jobs yet. You can't get fired. Come on over and let's participate. Hmm. And so they did. 1960, five years after that, uh, he was a part of a sit-in group in Atlanta when he decided to go to seminary. So he's involved in this as a 26-year-old now, several years later. I believe he was about 26 at the time. And... Martin Luther King had gone home to Atlanta to be a co-pastor with his father. And they and 50 other students got arrested because they were doing sit-ins in downtown Atlanta, going into the department stores and things like that, where they were not allowed to go in the front or be served at the counter or buy things, you know, unless they went in the back door at a certain time of day. They got arrested, and he sat on a bench in a jail cell with Martin Luther King in Fulton County Jail for four days. Hmm. And he tells us the story. Wow. This is what he looked like. This is how wow. I tried to be smart, and he's way smarter than me, so I looked dumb. Here's what we didn't shave. His hand felt like this. all the things. And you're like, these are real people. Yeah, and this is what we're dealing with, criminal trespassing. We were in jail because we were black. So, J.D., we've got people listening all over, and I hope some of them, like me, are like, man, all right, I— this has been really interesting, but now I need to actually hear those stories firsthand, right? Watch those videos. <laughs> yes, right. So Hopefully. We've got people all yeah. over the country and actually all over the world that are listening to this thing. You've got uh, – the, the way to experience this is in person in a live one-voice show, but I think you've got some other options. We do, yes. So 2020 changed the world, and it even changed my show. I didn't know previous to that with technology and the ability to – you know, how do uh, my grandma lives in California? Yeah. How can she see my show? Yeah, She's yeah. never in the room with me. So, number one, I travel a lot more. So, if anybody yeah. is looking to host an in person experience, please reach out. You were in Hawaii last week. I, I was think. in Hawaii were, for a couple days. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, definitely in the Southeast, Pennsylvania, Colorado, some other places. But uh, now there's virtual options as well. Yes. Okay. So, uh, around the summer and the crazy events of 2020, and you remember that there were some very epic and culturally clashing things that were happening the summer of 2020 when all of us were at home. There was an opportunity as Juneteenth became a federal holiday uh, in the aftermath of some of those things. The, the summer of 2020, I said, why don't I do a Juneteenth show? I think also technology has caught up to the ability to produce something for people to watch from home. So now there's a virtual show option. So there are different types of flavors of that show because I've taken my characters into the studio. We can package them together, 30, 60, 90 minute type things, Q&A. Some of these vignette voices are still with us and we can even have a Q&A with them. Yeah. Mr. Walker has gone on. He died at 105 years old wow. in 2017. But there are other people now who have some story. And so we're able to do that and have those cultural conversations or just potentially uplifting um, celebrations of the black voice all the time now. Cool. If we want to learn more, I think you've probably got some videos on YouTube. We could look you up. But there's a 
there's a website where of course how do one we, how do voice we learn more? show one voice show spell it out dot com is my show one o n e o n e o n e spell it out show okay and uh, you'll see some uh, teasers, right? Teasers. Yeah. I can't give you everything, okay. right? But I would love for you guys to engage with uh, entertaining the idea of my show. And you'll see that uh, there are several different options. Some of them can be prepackaged and bought immediately. And other things can be conversations we can have about having a live show. Okay. We could talk about this subject for a long time. Any final takeaways you want to leave us with? Maybe from one of these people I know Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Frederick Douglass, Obama, Muhammad Ali. Um, is Rosa Parks in your show? Rosa Parks is for the kids. So I okay. have a primary student version, very interactive, and that okay. one does have commentary, and we sing a couple songs so the kids understand. Okay. Um, one of the things that I will say, yes, uh, to answer your question, actually, is the realization that our generation did not grow up in the same generation as some of the people still living. And if we don't explore the topics and help ourselves and our children understand the privilege we have of America, as well as the responsibility of America, we can go backward. And I think we've all seen that in the news when we see that headline or this topic, whatever it is for you. It might be religious, might be political, might be cultural or color. But we're like, are we going forward or backward? based on that idea. And I think having those conversations relative to the age and development of even kids, we need to talk about it. And I think there are safe ways to do that, and there are also ways that helps us all remember we're born into a system that may not be right, but we don't have to feel guilty that we did something because of just who God made us to be. We just need to learn how to have conversations with people that God made that are different than us. Good. There you have it. So check it out at onevoiceshow.com. And takeaways, I guess, would be listen more, ask more questions, learn from history, and and don't think that everybody's like you or that you have all the answers. We've got to reach outside not just our, our own race but generational divide. Yes. There, there are lots of people who have wisdom for us, and if we're not careful, we end up only looking inside or listening to the people that are just like us. And, uh, boy, we miss out on a lot of riches, richness in this life. I agree, ladies and gentlemen. So if you are struggling with the fact that your parents can't deal with their phone and every time you get with them, they can't do They have other wisdom. That's right. So that's what we want you to know <laughs> as we grow together. Jeremiah, yeah. thanks for a great conversation. It's helpful to me. I hope it's helpful to our listeners. And I look forward to having future conversations with you uh, about all kinds of interesting things uh, right here on Grow With Tim. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's Grow With Tim podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to show us some love by following us here and on our other social media platforms. You'll find all the links at growwithtim.com.